1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to uh, Libra Cristo War College. Uh, I'm your host today in, abs in absentia of uh, Jesse Romero, uh, your host, Dan Schneider. I've got with me my good friend, fellow Army veteran, fellow Cav Scout, uh, Ernie Lopez. Ernie, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I, I think we can expect a much more subdued show today because uh, we're not, neither of us have quite the exuberance and uh, personality of Jesse. Which is, I've always said, Jesse is a Catholic cartoon character, uh, like a superhero uh, for Catholic for for Catholic kids to play with. Uh, if they had an action figure, I would be lining up to buy the uh, Jesse Romero action Catholic action figure. So, but uh, welcome to the show, Ernie. Before we start, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little about what I want to talk about today is some of our offline conversations you and I have. It's how we bridge uh, physical combat. Both of, both you and I are combat veterans. Both of us in the cavalry. Uh, how do you bridge the combat, that warrior instinct that, that veterans have, uh, and how does that bridge, on, and does it translate into the spiritual life? And I think these are some of the things that, that you know, we're seeing in the world today that, you know, you hear things like toxic masculinity, um, you know, cultural appropriation, you hear all these woke terminology, and it leaves men thinking, what do I do? You know, God created us as men, you know, fully men. And 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 some of us that that um, in particular go in the military, we we understand that God, we feel a calling by nature to defend, to protect, to to be to be on the side of goodness. And so our culture is really pushing against that. It's really pushing against that in many many ways. So how do we bridge that gap by looking at physical combat and some of the lessons that you and I have learned uh, and ha have been learned in modern combat? How do we bridge it? Is is um... It, it, that's that's a really awesome question. Uh, I I see like the bridging of we we look at where we we were mission orientated, we were uh, we were always looking for the enemy, uh, we were always hunting, we were always doing our our basically mission orientated, and it's it's funny like now you come into the civilian sector and everybody's laid back and they don't have like uh, they're not mission driven. It's more about you know, hey, uh, uh, they're good time. So uh, what what is it when you're in, when you're in a combat zone? Well, it's mission, right? So if we look at as, as Christianity, what's her mission from Christ? You know. Yeah, yeah. So I remember as an officer and you as an NCO, they told us you have to balance the you have to accomplish your mission, but you also got to take care of the troops. You have to make sure the troops are taken care of because a, a, a hungry soldier, an exhausted soldier. Uh, doesn't fight as good uh, as one that is that is that is uh, had enough food and got a little bit of rest. I'm not saying that you spoil them, but you got to take care of the men. All right, so this is a, a video that you you dug up, which I think is fantastic. Um, sappers. So let's talk about sappers. We'll show the video first, and let's go back and talk about sappers. And these are these are guys in Vietnam that the uh, Vietnam veterans talked about quite quite uh, extensively. So uh, Richard, if you could play the video. A sapper was an explosives expert 
but that could work both ways. An enemy sapper could plant his own explosives or disarm American explosives. American forces routinely mined the perimeters of their base camps, but were made aware that none of those defenses could be considered safe. Bob Simon reported. One of the first things a GI learns about in Vietnam is the danger of communist sappers. This demonstration is staged once a week for new members of the first CAV. The man going through the wires once belonged to an elite North Vietnamese sapper battalion. He defected to allied ranks a few years ago. Now he shows Americans the tricks of his trade. This complex of barbed wire and claymore mines resembles the perimeters of most American bases here. The mines are electrically controlled from the command post. When detonated, they fire off steel fragments which can kill anything within 50 yards. For the trained sapper, though, disconnecting the mine is no great problem. Getting through the barbed wire is only a question of time and patience, neither of which the communists have ever lacked. The lesson to the GIs, of course, is keep alert, never fall asleep on night watch. The enemy may be a few feet away. As we mentioned earlier, the communists made extensive use of mines and booby traps. They caused a large percentage of American casualties in Vietnam. Yeah, that's a powerful, powerful video, right? Um, time and patience. Now, I want you to get out of the mindset of, of looking at historically what happened. This happened actually to a very good friend of mine who, who is one of the most highly decorated uh, living Vietnam, Vietnam veterans right now on his very first night in Vietnam. The, the One of the sappers came in under his notice. He was a brand new guy. Two days prior, he was in the U.S. Now he's in the combat zone. The guy slides, he guy slivers in, turns the Claymore mine. They put it for us soldiers, right? Front towards enemy. So we remember which side to point it to. The front goes towards the enemy, but this guy turned it around on him. They blew the clack, the, the clacker on the Claymore and killed, you know, four or five Americans. Uh, so this is, this was, this is the way the enemy worked. But if you look the spiritualized, our spiritual enemy is the same enemy is the same way. Time and patience, he says. Time and patience, the, the the communists had. How much more the eternal enemy of man and God, the time and the patience he has to work against us. Uh Ernie. Yeah, uh I, I when I originally saw it, I, I remember one of our conversations about you were talking about how uh they lay in wait sometimes and and how they, they have time to think. And so when I saw the video. I originally it, it kind of like the the light bulb on top of my, my head went off and uh I, I i i that's why i asked you that question on it and i sent you the video because the way that they operate it's not it, 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 the per perfect guerrilla fighter you know the way they come against you when you you least expect it they're working against all your strengths uh you know to keep you away from god to push you away they know what you're doing uh and they really turn they really turn those uh defenses that you have you know, maybe you're you're praying and go to church once in a while, and uh, you're kind of you're kind of in the world. But the way that the demon kind of operates, uh, it, it is it, it was uh, uh, it was a very good insight that you had said to me, sir. Yeah. So the wire, if you think of the wire, what they mean by the wire, they string together these claymore mines plus concertina wire, razor wire, and other things to protect the perimeter. The enemy is going to constantly, with time and patience, work against that. Whether that perimeter is your home, your family, our first responsibility as fathers and mothers is to take care of our spouses and our children in the home. So, so that, that that perimeter is also that. This is why men, the head of household, should do the the epiphany blessing every year. He should regularly go through and and sprinkle his house with holy water and ask the Lord to bless it, invoke the 
the presence of Our Lady, to invoke the presence of the Lord, uh, uh, claim this house for the kingdom of God, to tighten up his perimeter, right? The perimeter also, the wire is also the interior self to me. Um, you know, and the, the monastics have seen this, the monks have seen this for a long time. It's knowing the clean from the unclean. Uh, in the third century, fourth century, Evagrius Ponticus, one of the early, early church uh, uh, um, desert fathers talked about the the eight uh, logismo, he called them. These are the eight temptations. Um, gluttony, sexual morality, immorality, love of money, sadness, anger, asadia or spiritual sloth, vainglory, and pride. These are the sappers uh, that, that, that have been milit that militate against us. We talked about in one of our earlier shows, we talked about lust, what St. Alphonsus Liguori, doctor of the church calls the, the, the hell's widest gate, sexual immorality and lust. So the enemy is constantly pushing. This is why when you read the Psalms, you read the, the imprecatory Psalms, right? Here it says in Psalm 137, eight to nine, fair Babylon, you destroyer, happy those who pay you back the evil you have done to us. Happy those who seize your children and smash them against the rock. Another translation, smash their, the skulls of the babies of my enemy against the rock. And so this is one that the modern world goes, oh man, we better not put this in the Psalter. We better not include this in the office of readings, et cetera, these imprecatory Psalms. But this is powerful. The, the monks saw from the beginning in the words of David here, right? In the emotions of David. What did they see? Who, who is Babylon, the destroyer? That's the enemy. That's who wants to enslave us. Who are the children of the enemy? These eight logismoids, these eight defects, lust, vain, vainglory, anger, etc. And smashing them against the rock is crushing these vices while they are young. When these thoughts enter into, they try to get into the perimeter, you open up with the 50 cow. You keep them out of your perimeter. And keeping, when your hearers use this phrase, you got to keep a tight perimeter. That means you keep your interiority tight. And if your interiority is tight, then you can start working on the perimeter around your family, around your home, around your temporal goods. I got you still, Ernie? Yes, sir. I'm still here. All right. You square? Are we square with that? Absolutely, man. You, I, I'm firing all cylinders right now. I was just listening to everything you were saying. Every time you <laughs> start bringing up this stuff, I'm like, I'm listening to all, all the mess ups I've ever done in my life, you know, and they're just all flooding in, with, you know. Yeah, part, part of it is knowing the, the clean from unclean, clean thoughts from unclean thoughts, right? How do you, how do the sappers get in through the uncleanliness, unclean thoughts, unclean things in the home, unclean sexual practices, uh, un, you know, letting unclean movies into the home. It really is keeping a tight perimeter is living a Catholic life. And a quick discern, a quick definition of discernment in Catholic theology, if you will, Catholic spiritual theology is knowing clean from unclean, clean from unclean thoughts, clean from unclean uh, 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 movies, clean from unclean uh, uh, sexual practices in the home, keeping your home pure. This is how you'd be able to, to tell. If you're a rookie, the sapper should come in like, a, like my good friend Ed that came in his very first night in combat. And the demon's going to probe you the minute you start going back to mass, the minute you start uh, deciding, I'm not going to live like a pagan in my sexual practice. I'm going to practice natural family planning, right? I'm going to be continent and I'm going to offer my suffering up, my sexual practices to God. I'm going to ask God to consecrate my, my sexuality and my marriage. I'm going to consecrate my life to the Virgin Mary. The minute you start stepping out, it's like my friend who stepped into the combat zone his first night in Vietnam, first night in the bush. The enemy's going to start, the sappers are going to start hitting you. Absolutely, sir. The way the, way the enemy works is it, it's never sleeping. All they need is one good day. Yeah. All right. Uh, you listen to War College. Back after the break, we're going to talk about the Statue of New York City.
That's it. It's Reveille. Reveille, Reveille. All right, Sergeant Sergeant Ernie, let's go. It's time. To, it's kind to wake the troops up. It's time. It's time. It's time to get the church militant back to life, right? We are not the. We are the church militant, not the church somniant, right? Somnolent. Right. The church is asleep. We are not the frozen chosen. We need to come on fire. We need. We need to start battling back. That's right. All right. So the next. This. This. I want to. Uh, you sent this over to me, and I had noticed this a couple of weeks ago when it first came out. Um, this came on Fox News. Satanic Golden Medusa. It's interesting. Each of the news outlets are picking up on the different elements. We most of us know enough about uh, um, ancient religions to realize that there's some some cultic or some re- ancient religious symbolism in here. And what in a section I want to unpack this statue. So Satanic Golden Medusa abortion statue outside New York City courthouse, ruthlessly mocked as a monstrosity. The sculpture is meant to represent the fight for abortion rights. Okay, this is what Fox News says. Twitter users ruthlessly mocked and condemned a new statue installed atop a New York City courthouse, with many claim it had allusions to demonic imagery. A new eight-foot golden statue by Pakistani-American artist Shakazi Sikander now stands on the roof of the state courthouse in New York's Flat Tehran district, next to previous statues of respected lawmakers Moses, Confucius, and Zoroaster. The now statue, with curling braids and tentacle-like arms, rises from a lotus flower, was created to pay homage to Ruth Bader Ginsburg for her fight for abortion. The statue is adorned with the late Supreme Court Justice's signature lace collar. Sikander said the statue is part of an urgent and necessary cultural reckoning underway as New York considers traditional representations of power in public spaces and recasts civic structures to better reflect the 21st century social mores. It is the first female statue to become part of the courthouse. Now, this is from the Blaze, an eight-foot sca- sa- sculpture of a horned female, uh, lotus uh, fused to a lotus flower. What appears to be tentacles has been erected above the state courthouse in New York City, etc. So you see the lotus flower. You see the 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 uh, um, the Medusa symbolism. Uh, uh, what was your reaction when you first saw this? Uh, I I was kind of like taken back that that something that was so demonic was on top of a court building. And that's why I, I don't understand why Christians from all denominations, uh, anybody that is God fearing uh, isn't up in arms over this. This is a, uh, a really a, um, a mud in the face moment for us. And uh, yeah. I mean, what do you hear a couple, uh, a couple, couple shows are actually saying anything about it. Um, look how small the article is, but it, I know it's not supposed to be there for a long time but the fact that they actually put that there uh and the ram horns on it the you know we're looking at what the the horns of ammon on it uh right. and the uh the, the fact of what that means i mean i i think that's just a an inversion again of patriarchy into uh feminism well, she says it in the blaze article she is a fierce woman in a form of resistance in a space that has been historically dominated by patriarchal representation they're not hiding what they're trying to do they're not hiding at all. Here's some of the symbolism, and, and I'd like to get your take on it and see and see what you what you thought of it. The lotus flower in a cult means enlightenment, rebirth, ironically, purity, right? One other author said it experience the, the lotus flower and its occultic symbolism experiences immaculate conception every day. This is a this is this is an occult occult writer that that practices the occult. And listen to the language. It experiences immaculate conception every day. The irony, the irony. Again, we've said from the beginning that the, everything the demon does is a complete and diabolic inversion of what is good and pure and Catholic and true. 
So the lotus flower, it's also a symbol of resurrection, right? There's a, there, and, and, and this feminist, this motif of, of, of radical feminism, if you look at feminist literature from Thelma and, Thelma and Louise and their fight against patriarchy in the early feminist movement, what happened at the end of Thelma and Louise? Do you remember? They drive off a cliff. At, and then the, the short story, The Awakening, right? The 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 the, the, the nihilism of, of radical feminism in the light of patriarchy, the only uh, the only choice is madness or suicide, right? Madness or suicide. And and see this repression of of sexual of, of female sexuality, the female body is dirty, etc. And then they're so repressed that their only option is to is to uh, um, commit suicide. And this is this is in their own literature. So we see this expression, the same feminist expression. Number two, this is also a very a statue of non-servium. We will not serve right authority. Right. The idea of male, uh, the female as the caregiver, nurturer, the male as provider and protector. This is a radical attack against that. And um, you mentioned the, the the horns of Ammon. If you look at Ammon, that's a symbol of of one of the gods uh, 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 that that Israel constantly came against in in various forms in various times and places. The Ammon Am Am Ammonites in the Old Testament had two principal gods, and the principle and the symbolism was this ram's horn. Uh, uh, the Moloch Moloch uh, was the god of child sacrifice, and Ashtoreth. The, the the goddess of ritual fertility, ritual sex and fertility. And, and so we see in this statue, we see this androgynous blending of these two ancient uh, 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 deities, so-called, right? When we know from Psalm 96, 5, the gods of the demons are, or the gods of the Gentiles are demons. We see this also infused into that as well. So you see this radical feminist uh, uh, um, uh, theology and also uh, the Gorgon, I mean the uh, the the the, uh, the the horns of the Ammon, and the third one that 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 Fox picked up on is Medusa. Medusa was a Gorgon. She represents powerful women. She goes from uh, oppressed, you know, victimized to powerful. You know that if you know the story of ancient Medusa, right? She she is a symbol of the fight for women's power, women's rights. She's symbolized by cold, calculating, terror female fortitude and sexual liberation, right? Uh, um, the snakes in the hair uh, re represent storm, revolution, regeneration. Do you see the symbolisms that are packed into that? Yeah, tons of it. I mean, it's it's a, uh, if that doesn't tell Christians, wake up, I don't know what does. Uh, I mean, this is, this is in your face. Uh, we're talking about gorgons. We're talking about snakes. We're talking about the serpent. We're talking about horn, horn beasts. We're talking about uh, androgyny, all these things that we, we, we're opposed to. Lotus, uh, 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 lotus you know, power, yeah, all lotus this power. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are they doing? They're claiming reproduction. They're claiming life. And at the same time, they're basically saying, well, we want to kill it. Right. We want to be God. We yeah. want to decide. You know, we want to ultimately decide. We, we ultimately want to decide. Uh, um, anyway, so so yes, this is packed there what do you think the impact is and here's the way i see it if there's a scene and we're, we're cab guys right there's a scene in apocalypse now after after they take the village and, and colonel kurtz uh uh is walking not kurtz uh uh kilgore is walking through robert duvall 
right? Charlie don't surf. He's walking through and he's throwing playing cards, right? He's throwing playing cards down on top of the 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 enemy's dead bodies, right? And this was a practice that that was what happened in combat. And this was a calling card saying, "Hey, we want you to know who came through here, and we want we want you to be fearful of us." This is people have done this type of stuff in combat for many years. Okay, so to me. This is this is the enemy's calling cards. This is this demon is is staking its claim. The demons are very territorial, and they're staking their claim right there. Uh, uh, in my opinion, and they're not they're you you for those who have eyes to see, let them see right. So the, if you look at the symbolism ingrained into this, you you see a you see a very dark and, and very severe message, humanity. Very, yeah. And, and and what is the principle? The principle. Um, foundation the radical feminism and abortion all this is embedded into this pagan symbolism of the statue absolutely right next right next to places where uh where uh you have you, you have uh, people who were very very uh devout at one time and it's you just said it it was it's been reclaimed well they're trying to claim it as their own yeah yeah so we we again catholics need to see this and, and and see the mockery i go back to the initial author it said the lotus flower experiences immaculate conception every day and now think about this what is the the titular type the title of the blessed mother of patroness of the of the united states right the basilica of the immaculate conception Absolutely. in in washington dc so, so we see this as as not just an affrontment against Christianity, against against Ju Judaism and and and, uh, um, and and monotheism. This is this is a, a complete affrontment uh, against the Virgin Mary and Catholicism as well. I, what, what, I have a question. Like like you you brought to me before about the um, how like you know people look at these things and they'll think they're male or female, but in actuality they're they're not they're neither. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. That this is this is a front, and it's very, uh, uh, it's very misdirectional. Yeah, no, it's extremely misdirectional. This is this is, for example, when you when, remember when in the the Passion of the Christ, um, the depiction of the devil um, was androgynous, right? Yeah. And 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 so so even 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 among uh, the radical homosexual community, they see they see androgyny, they see homosexuality as an evolved, you know, a higher evolution of man. Uh, and so um, so this statue also represents a bit. If, if you look at the face, he looks masculine, but the body is obviously very feminine. So this 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 idea of androgyny, uh, um, it, you know, this cross gendering. It's built into there as well. And one of the things we had talked about as well, Ernie, you and I before, was um, angels um, and demons don't have genders per se. They don't have gender. They're not embodied like we are. So, so we talk about we talk more about. And this is something that that Kyle Clement has really uh, fleshed out and and done a really good job in his experience to show how they really have more uh, dispositions, more traditionally masculine or traditionally feminine receptive or aggressive we see this in for example the sexual demons of incubi and succubi so um we, we encounter these all the time uh, in the ministry so so you see an incubi a cubile in latin is the bed so an incu to be incubile is to be on top to be subcubile is to be on bottom so active versus passive aggressive versus passive aggressive so to speak and so we and so in the androgyny blending we see we we see this also reflection of of the diabolic 
what else did you pick up on there? Anything else? Um, I just, I just, like I said, it's, I think it was the, the area of placement uh, on a, on a court, which is, you know, is based off of what it, our, our laws come from, you know, basically all the way through Christianity, really. So what are you saying, you know, that you're taking it over? Yeah. Maybe we're taking it back. Or taking it back. Yeah. However yeah. We're taking, we're taking it back. Cause this was, this was, this was pagan before, before it was Christianized by right. missionaries. So we're just taking it back. This was rightfully ours. You guys took this from us and we're just going to take it back. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the ter- the territorial, uh, uh, the way that they, they work is, is again, we go back to the sapper. Um, it's, it's their territory, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you're on our turf and uh, you can put your perimeter up, but if you don't keep it up, we're going to, we're going to keep working through it. And if you do keep it up, what, what did Walter Cronkite say? Time and patience. This is how the sappers work, time and patience. And so, you know, most of us need to just work on our interior interior, interior life. But, but thank God for those working in politics keep pushing back and bringing the truth to this. All right, anything, any last minutes? We're getting ready to go on to break. Ernie? I'm good. Wednesday War College. Thanks for uh, tuning in today. We uh, know Jesse Romero, so we're a little, little, uh, little less energetic, uh, but uh, nonetheless, we'll keep providing the DDT, Devil Defeating Theology. Today, you got me and my good friend Ernie Lopez. It's a couple of cab scouts uh, um, that Our Lady has repurposed to bring a little eyes on to illumine the battlefield. Remember, Ernie, we would. Uh, we, we would do, you could do arc light. Um, B-52s could drop arc light just to light up the battlefield. You know, we would, we would actually, you could pop uh, uh, um, uh, flares, illuminate, right. illum, illum flare, flares, right? And, uh, and sometimes you don't want to see it. Sometimes it's like Pee Wee Herman when he lights up, you know what I mean? And he's, and he's in the dark past somewhere lost right. in, 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 in Arizona somewhere. And he turns the lamp on and he sees all these critters, you know, that's what the illum flare does. Okay. Do a shout out to all our Marine friends, Eddie, Eddie, or, uh, Eddie, who was supposed to be on today, but he couldn't, um, all those good crayon eaters out there. Uh, yeah. we'll give, we'll give a shout out to them. And again, my favorite chesty polar quote, uh, he was asked, what's your situation? He was in Korea. He said, our situation, we're on a hilltop and we're surrounded, which is, he said, and that simplifies we're surrounded. That simplifies the problem. No matter what directions we hit, we hit one of them. Whenever, what direction we shoot at, we hit one. It's right. a good day to be a Marine. So yeah. we have to bring in some of that humor. We have to bring in some of that reality, as, as you know. But at the same time, today we're just kind of hopefully just dropping, calling in an arc light uh, uh, or calling in, copping a couple flares so people can see, hey, you got to wake up. This stuff is pagan. Not only is it pagan, it's satanic. It's got it's either satanic or luciferian. There's a difference. And and but this is straight satanic is what this is. So so what so. So what's the, what's the opposite? The demon knows the symbolism, right? He knows symbolism. Who was the patroness of Amer- of the Americas? So our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? In the in the 1500s, after the the, the Protestant Revolution, the Protestant Revolt, where where six six million Catholics leave the faith, largely in the West. In the Americas, Our Lady of Guadalupe appears. She appears to a young uh, or, uh, you know, a, a, a humble man, Juan Diego. She appears to him multiple times on the hill called Tepeyac. And uh, 
within her convert within within a year or two, um, eight million um, souls were baptized Catholics into the Catholic Church. So we had a net gain of two million. She walks by. She sees Juan Diego. Uh, um, he's terrified. He says to her, she says to him, am I not your mother? Do not be troubled or weighed down with grief. Am I not who am your mother? She represents true authentic femininity. Her statue was filled with all sorts of symbolism. Uh, uh, the image, I should say. Juan Diego, if you don't know the story, you should read about it. Juan Diego uh, um, is, is a little nervous. He goes to the bishop. The bishop doesn't believe him. The bishop is a Spaniard. Uh, um, and, and, and she says, who, who are you? And he's, and she, she, she said, I am our lady of Guadalupe, but she actually used the Indian dialect, which sounds something like Huaclasupe, which means not Guadalupe, which was the shrine in Spain, but in the, in the indigenous language of Juan Diego, I am the one who crushes the stone serpent. Whoa. So who was the stone serpent? This was the principal God of the Aztecs or one of the principal gods of the Aztecs to which they committed uh, daily, sometimes human sacrifice up to 30,000 people human sacrificed in a month uh it's brutal um the, the the brutality that they that the way they would they would they would cut their hearts out while they were alive and they would throw them into a volcano active volcano i mean just brutal what they did i am the one who crushes the stone serpent right which which is her title from the beginning right the mother of the living genesis three fifteen. i will put enmity between you and the woman between the serpent and the woman, right? And the seed of the woman and the serpent, and the serpent and the woman. She, you will, you will uh, strike at her heel. She will crush your head. She will crush your head. Well, the Greek, the Greek says he. The Latin says she. The Hebrew could be he or she or they will crush the head. The co-redemption, her participation with the crushing of the head of the serpent. She shows up at a time and a place where humanity needed it the most. And look at the the fruit of it. So we see we see this. Then she goes. Um, the bishop doesn't believe her, doesn't believe Juan Diego. He, she goes back. Uh, he, I need the bishop says send me a sign. And he sees on the hilltop in the bursting through the snow are Castilian roses, right? Not indigenous to that area, covered in snow. And here's these beautiful roses. And she says come here. And she, Our Lady herself, picks the roses and assembles them into his tilma. Right. His little his 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 worker apron. He covers him up and he says, ah, oh, the bishop, he's going to believe me now because these are Castilian roses. These are roses only from Spain. He's going to know that it's her. He walks over. He says, look, now you're going to believe your excellency drops the roses. And this image is on the tilma, which is still there today. So it's a deep and deep story. And the symbol itself is filled with filled with symbolism. What do you got, Ernie? I, I you know, uh, I, I love the uh, the ribbon that she had that she was uh, is the indication that she is pregnant, uh, that she's on top of this uh, feathered uh, uh, angel on the moon. You know, the what it's saying, everything. I mean, the 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 flowers that she has on her garment are like royalty. Everything was 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 uh, pointed at that this was a uh someone that was very very important to the aztecs that it, it blew their mind when they saw all these things in comparison uh the the tilma that she was wearing the the i'm sorry the the mantle that she was wearing with the stars uh that that blew their mind and it has the constellations on it the things that were on it i mean 
you're talking about a people who were not where they were based in mathematics. So when they looked at all that stuff, they were like probably blown away. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go back again, I'm a scripture scholar. You go back to the symbols. Where else do we see a woman? Who is this woman? We hear it in Genesis 3.15. I will put empty between you and the woman, right? Her her seed and and uh, and the serpent. We see, in, of course, John's gospel, the woman at, at Cana, the woman at the foot of the cross. Jesus calls his mother woman. But then in Revelation, how is she depicted? Um, he looks at the ark. John sees the ark of the covenant. There's manifestations of a theophany of God's God's presence, thunder, lightning, everything that came at Sinai, everything that came, uh, the, the, all the liturgical offerings you know, with the trumpet blast were supposed to symbolize the theophany of God at Sinai, where he wed humanity with himself through the law. And now John sees the, the, the ark of the covenant in the next verse, 12.1. And I saw, this is what the ark looks like, a woman cloaked with a crown of 12 stars and the moon under her feet right this is authentic this is this is her, this is her again you pointed out the 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 uh, um uh, the sink the cintura across her waist right was a symbolism in, in that culture of being with child right so as we have the previous statue represents rebellion represents uh, uh, radical feminism here we see radical true womanism right we see the maternity Am I not your mother? She says to Juan Diego. Uh, also, the moon was the was one of the principal false gods of the Aztec religion, the god of the night, right? And yeah. she is she is saying, no, it's at my feet. I will crush. In fact, the the, the Jerome's translation of Genesis three fifteen, she will grind down the head of the serpent. She's not just going to shoo it away. She will grind the head down. She owns the night, right? This is the the um, the uh, the motto of Task Force one sixty who. The the one sixtieth flies the the uh, the SEAL Team Six. They fly the uh, all the special ops guys. I Navy, you know uh, um, the 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 Green Berets and all that. That's what that's who these guys are. The, the, these are the best of the best of the best helicopter pilots in the military in the world. And their motto is "We own the night." They only fly at night. They only fly with goggles. They only they you know and and, and what is it, you know like the psalm? You shall not fear the terror of the night. Right or the or the arrow that flies by day. She's saying, "I own the night. I own the demons of the night. I control the night and the day. I am the mother of the redeemer." Right. So, uh, tons of symbolism. The angel, right? The angels testifies to her 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 royalty, right? Uh, um, they will be being carried aloft, like a, if you picture a a, a, a litter, you know, like in, in Solomon, the litter of Solomon. Who is this? That comes like the litter of Solomon being held aloft, right by 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 servants. This is this is royal image, and who holds her aloft? Not some human, not not Dan and Ernie and Jess. She's being held aloft by angels, right? Right. right? That's powerful. That's powerful imagery. And you mentioned the colors, right? Yeah, the I mean, color rep represents uh, um, the the uh, uh, royalty, right? royalty yeah, and the, the colors mean something world. on this new york statue right gold right gold. think about what is the color gold if you're if you're thinking scripture what else is gold besides royalty the golden calf golden calf yeah right right what did moses do to the to, to the to, when he came down the mountain he ground it up right he 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 melted it down grounded it in powder and made everybody drink it this is what you get this is your punishment you know i'm not saying we should do that but uh Pictures of the Saddam Hussein statue are are in my mind right now. Yeah. So um, 
And what else you got on Lady Guadalupe, Ernie? Uh, I actually the rays of the sun behind her was was something that, that that I think in that culture the sun was so huge. The fact that she's in front of it, she eclipses mm. their sun. You know, uh, I you know if you really look at her, she is because because uh, being the mother of God, who she is, and she brings and she's bringing Christ to these. Uh, when she's praying, she has one hand that's lighter than the other. One is mestizo. And one is lighter, and I go. That's the indication of what what she's bringing, and it's almost like uh, the beauty of of Mexico, really, if you think about it, uh, where it happened, and the takeover again of a pagan a pagan society that was probably one of the most wicked on on, on planet Earth. And uh, like I said, we're we're no uh, Mexicans aren't aren't something of we're warriors, and uh, it was taken over by by Our Lady, and I just think that's awesome because Our Lady yeah. is is. Now that we look at it, she's she's beautiful, and everything that that has come from that, um, uh, people should be ashamed for 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 leaving uh, leaving that beautiful uh, Our Lady, you know, for leaving. Yeah, that. no, and the, the, I love what you say the 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 image of the of the the woman clothed with the sun. There she is. The sun cloaks her, right? The the sun surrounds her, right? She, but she's in front, and she came through her immaculate conception, right? She came and she bore. I love the the, 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 even the word in Spanish, you know, to give birth. We say in English, you give birth. Do you, do you, is your Spanish, do you remember what the, how, this, how the Spanish to, to give birth? Um, my Spanish is. The dar luz, to give light. That's what she does. She gives light. She brings Christians into the world. All right, last segment. We're going to come back to a, a famous speech that I was present at. I'm Charlie Mike himself. Come back. We're back, Wednesday War College. We're without Jesse today, our beloved Jesse, but we got two Cav Scouts today. We're giving you a Cav report, a scouting report from the field. This is what this is what we're looking at out there on the battlefield. This is this is good intel. This is DDT. What did we do? That's all you and I did really early in the Cav. You know what I mean? We just we were scouts. You did it from the ground as an MP. I did it from the air as a helicopter pilot. Our job is to is to is to go provide security, provide safety, give intel back to the commanders, let them make whatever decisions they want to make, right? That's right. Route reconnaissance, baby. That's it. Reconnaissance. Now, occasionally we did have attack missions. We had reconnaissance, screen lines, and attack missions. Those are the good days. But for the most part, most part, we were just doing recon, we report back. You know, we don't shoot at you if you don't shoot at us. If we shoot if you shoot at us, yeah, well, we're going to shoot back with uh, extreme prejudice. So speaking of extreme prejudice, this article blew me away. I'm going to, before I introduce... <laughs> Mike, Charlie, Mike, Colonel Leonard B. Scott, airborne all the way. You sent this article and I've, and it's just been, it was like, it was like getting punched between the eyes. I couldn't believe this. Brad Pitt, he he opened up recently sharing his thoughts about masculinity during an interview. This came on the heels of a, the two-time Oscar winner strolling a red carpet in Germany, wearing a linen skirt. Today, when the veteran, I love that veteran actor was asked about his fashion forward choice he he responded by saying we're all going to die so let's mess it up that's a nice that's a nice way to defend deviant behavior in the interview he said he was raised in oklahoma uh born in oklahoma raised in missouri he's got good midwestern stock right he's claimed that clint eastwood type masculinity was overwhelming and outdated it's just exhausting to be anything but who you are he said you have to understand at least where i grew up we're more we're more clint eastwood character you hold everything down 
you're capable, you can deal with anything, you don't show weakness. I see that in my dad and the older generation of actors, and man, it's exhausting. What's your take on on old Brad Pitt? I, I think he should he should turn in his uh, war daddy uh, uh, name and his uh, anything that he ever did as a warrior and turn that in, and he can go and be, uh, you know, whatever he wants out there uh, now because I I lost all all uh, I don't know what you want to call it respect for the guy really. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's but but I but again, these guys are cultural leaders. People look up to them, you know. Yeah. And, and and what they're doing again, you hear this phrase toxic masculinity. I mean, which means anything that isn't effeminate is it's considered too hard. What's that? It's just too hard. It's too hard. That's what he says. It's too hard to be. You're dang right, it's hard to be a man. You're darn right. Christ himself said, husbands, love your wives as Christ, or Paul says, as Christ loved the church, handing himself over for her. How did he do that? He was crucified. He completely died to him. He completely surrendered to death which is what we're called to do so so yeah brad pitt and it, 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 he, he took some crap for it and here's another here's another guy that's had some i don't know how uh, anymore but accusations from his wife uh ex-wife angela jolie um that that he, that he was abusive to her imagine that in your in your gray linen skirt abusing your wife right there's there's equality for us anyway so i want to read this this speech by 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 leonard b scott he was lieutenant colonel. He was in charge of the Airborne School. I stumbled across this this week. I was present for this speech in 1986 when I was a young man uh, at paratrooper school, Fort Benning, Georgia. And he gives this speech. Uh, um, and and here's he gives he's giving a speech to the to to the guys that show up at Airborne School. And actually, Colonel Scott gave me blood wings. If you know what blood wings are, it sounds much scarier than it is. In the back of your wings, there's two little pins. You know quarter inch, half inch, and you put them on your chest. And when he pins the wings on you, you say, blood wings, sir. And he, two guys hold you in the back and he either punches with his palm or with his fist and he pounds it into your chest. And it leaves two teeny weeny little teeny marks. By the way, I, I pin, pinned the wings on a, a friend of mine's, good friend of mine's son uh, two years ago at Fort Benning, Georgia. And they announced, if you give blood wings, you will be escorted off of post. So again, this is the modern world. So I got blood wings from Charlie Mike himself. He wrote a book called Charlie Mike. He was a ranger in Vietnam. And so here's what he said. Um, he said he spoke, and this is what the article says. He spoke in a tough, a, a tough, like a tough-minded teacher and made a lot of sense. After covering the need for dedication in life, he discussed exactly that is what is meant of, uh, of a man. The commander said soldiers tend to fall out of running formations. They don't know how far they're going to go. Yet with a firm understanding exactly how far they're going, a soldier who might otherwise drop out may well stay in a running formation, right? So if you know I'm going to run three miles, you can gut check it. But if you don't know how far you're going, that's when the mental game comes in. That's when you got to be tough. So he says, but that isn't life, ladies and gentlemen. That isn't life. He said that sometimes it's impossible to know how far you must run, either physically or in life. And that's why the airborne and the airborne, we greet each other with how far. And the answer is all the way. We will run as far as this life, this life makes us. And when we're done running, if something needs its ass kicked, excuse my language, we're the ones to do it, right? Sorry if that was a microaggression. Powerful words, the author says. Then he got quiet and from around the microphone, and he said loudly, do any of you know the secret of life? Any of you? The author says, well, no, we didn't. We, we had not put it together yet. Like a reverend giving his homily, Lieutenant Colonel Scott raised his hands and said, because today, right now, I'm going to tell you the whole meaning of everything in your life. 
everything in this world and everything else in the whole damn universe. So with his finger, he indicated to the airborne trainees that should come forward and join him. He, everyone, he was the boss. Everyone was dead quiet, standing around Lieutenant Colonel Scott like a 20-foot thick human wall on all sides with generous space in between for him to stand. The secret to life is, he says, you got to love it. The secret to being a good paratrooper is to love it. The secret to being a good dang soldier or a good man or a good woman is that you have to love God, love yourselves and those around you, he shouted. You are each going to be caught in some crap someday that you cannot get out of. You will have to stand and fight somehow or the other. And when that day comes, all you have to do is act brave. You can act as terrified as you like. You can you can be as terrified as you like on the inside, but you act brave. And in the face of what would frighten you, I guarantee that you will one day stop acting brave and that you will be that will be a part of who you are. Bravery. I was standing there as a 19 year old man listening to this like I, I my 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 airborne wings, the certification. July 4th, 1986, right? This was this this was profound for a nun. I, I was to me, this was red meat, man. This was this was amazing. Then he said, and stay up. If the army sends you to some godforsaken part of the world, and there are a few places like that, don't say I hate this. Tell everyone around you, you love it there. Tell everyone that this is the greatest place you've ever been, and you would rather be there than anywhere on the face of the earth. He says, You must lie to yourself always. He said that he said, uh, meaning you have to stop complaining, right? He right. said that crappy chow you're eating, that isn't crappy chow. That's the best T-bone you ever ate. Visualize it because in the airborne and in life, there's, there is no room for being a defeatist. The enemy is everywhere. And very frequently you will be cut off alone and facing great odds. And in life, and especially the airborne, your job is to beat down the bad guys. We are the good guys if you haven't put it together yet. We, we come out of the sky when some murderous tyrant takes his shot and oppresses good people, and we destroy that person and their armies. We save people in times and places where we might be lucky to save just ourselves. Every single airborne soldier from private general is charged with one thing. No matter how hard the going gets, Charlie might continue the mission. The mission and then he said he thundered out. He said, I'm going to conclude this speech by asking you one thing only. How far? Like thunder, the airborne trainees bark back in unison. All the way, sir. Huh. What do you? What does that do to you? And I'm so motivated. You want to in a plaid skirt? Uh, exactly. I'm so motivated right now. I remember being uh, watching as uh, being in a firefight, aftermath of a firefight, and looking around, and people were scared. And you know, people, all these troops, they're looking for people who are brave. They're looking for the strong, yeah. and they will gravitate you in the in the in the in those moments where everything seems like it's desperate. They will gravitate towards those that are that are very very brave. So his words were right on point. I mean, the chow was the worst chow in the world, and you're eating out there. I mean, fly encrusted, and you're just sitting there going, "Man, I am so hungry. I don't care. I'm gonna eat these flies too." You know, yeah. people think they're hungry. Go, you'll never know how hungry you are until you have to eat that stuff. Yeah, you know, awful. Yeah, yeah. You're warm, warming up your MRE on the top of a of a track vehicle on the side of your tent, right? right. But if you can get that one MRE. With the uh, with the with, with the uh, the combinations to make to make Ranger pudding, which was what? Remember ch chocolate put chocolate pudding, chocolate coffee, powder. everything in your little creamer, coffee creamer, back yeah, the chocolate you put it all together. Man, the cocoa powder, put that cocoa in powder, crackers, yeah. a little bit of water. That's Ranger pudding. I'm and a little peanut butter. You got to put the peanut butter packet in. Man. That's Ranger pudding. You take you take garbage food that's meant to last a hundred years, 
and you can make some pretty darn good chow out of it. But Absolutely. it starts right here, right? You have to say no. I might be afraid. I might be. I might be. I might be. I might be facing some giants in my life. But you got to know that God is with you. It's terrifying. If you want to be holy, act holy. You want to grow in holiness, act holy. Like just, just start doing it. Right. Lie to yourself, he says. He doesn't mean don't deceive yourself. Tell yourself, hey, you override those lower instincts that say you can't be a saint. You can't be a good dad. You can't reconcile your marriage. You'll never fix this relationship. You've lost this child forever. Lie to yourself. Tell yourself, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to love bomb this person. I'm going to become so holy. I'm going to become Christ. I'm going to offer it all up. How far? Because if you say to yourself, oh, if I know I got to go three rounds in a fight, I got to go, all I got to do is go three rounds. What happens if the bell rings and the guy's still standing there? I can, you know, if you don't know how far all the way, as far okay. as it takes. Yeah. That's the beauty of, uh, that's like a challenge to all Christian men right there. Sir. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Really, if you think about it, I mean, all these guys that, that are, are, are struggling in their marriages, uh, that don't want to want what they don't, you just get rid of the uh, sin and start living it. And, and hopefully, um, that, that woman in your life will look at you and say, Man, he really did change. He is changing. He's not just pretending and giving me the lip service. He's doing it, and yeah. and he and, and I think that's what they're. Uh, I think that's what 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 family needs is men to stand up and be it, not just say it. Yeah, and it's combat. It's it, you know, I mean, the enemy shoots back, right? When when you and I were in Iraq, and I think you went to Afghanistan, he 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 shoots back. This, this is not this is not shadow boxing, right? And 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 his. He's got lead bullets too, and he's got bombs, and he's got helicopters, and he's got anti-aircraft weapons. You know, so you 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 can't look in the face of the combat and say, "Oh man, uh, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this." Right? You can't say, "I got to stay here." And once I, you knew those guys, man. Once my tour's over, I'm counting days. That's the most miserable guy there is, man. I got six months, three days, and thirteen hours and four seconds. Right? Those are the most miserable guys. How far? All the way. I'm going to stay here until they tell me to go home. Right. And that's the way we got to be as men, as Christian men. I'm going to stay here until the Lord takes me home. I'm going right. to keep I'm going to keep pounding it, grounding and pounding it, whatever the Lord puts me. Be charge of this post. That's it. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ernie, you got anything to wrap up? We're going to wrap up today. I think How far are we going to go? All the way, sir. All the way. That's it. Charlie, Mike, you continue the mission. And our mission isn't complete until we get ourselves, our wives, our husbands, our children, right? We fight and get our families into heaven. That's what our job. All right, there's the music. That's it. We're calling in the Apache chatter. Uh, I'm gonna bring 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 some uh, fire missiles down, and uh, there you go. We'll call it a wrap. Thank you for tuning in next week. Hopefully, Jesse will be back. We'll have a little more animated of a show. And uh, but for now, we appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Same, same cap. Shouts out.